This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. This Flyperbole brought to you by Nedved Linen and Bed. You guys like those beds that come all compressed and stuff? Well, we got those too. Why not us? Nedved Linen and Bed. They call it the bubble. A place where hockey exists, given a pandemic, outdoors. That's, I don't know if that's quite the Doc Emmerich uh, introduction for the <laughs> bubble that they're going to start out with, but it should be something like that. But it's close, the, yeah. the, the, the bubble just sounds so like ominous and sci-fi, right? The, <laughs> the bubble. Coming this season on the bubble. Yeah. 24 not- NHL teams enter, one leaves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One locks into the first overall pick somehow. Don't ask us how it makes sense. <laughs> One of the eight teams that loses immediately kind of wins. I just enjoy that there's a lot of uh, terminology this week that just rules the bubble. It just sounded like the uh, every NHL player was just walking into the Thunderdome. And it's just going to be like a huge fucking wrestling match. And only the winner, like the only people that left won, were the winners at the end. And just the rest of the league was about to get wiped out. That's what rules. It's not even necessarily the worst team that will end up with this first (laughs) overall pick, but just one team that loses in the first wave. Don't ask us any more questions. (laughs) It's kind of a big deal, and we kind of botched it, but yeah, you'll see. It'll work out. Don't worry. Focus on the bubble, not the not phase two. The the bubble. The bubble. The bubble reminds me. (laughs) There's. There's a there's a Simpsons episode. I think it's the Camp Krusty episode, and I think it's referencing. I've never seen Logan's Run, but I think it's referencing Logan's Run, where this like bubble comes out and like absorbs like Hans Molman, and it just like <laughs> it's it's pretty horrifying even for a Simpsons episode. But it's, I'm pretty sure it's a Logan's Run reference. But yeah, it's that's what I think of when I think of the bubble. It's just like this this like horrific bubble coming out and just taking out our our beloved NHLers. So they bail them up. That's what it sounds like. And uh, it's well, these players are going to be in the bubble kind of soon. Uh, and I guess we can go with that. Uh, the NHL has rolled out a bunch of tentative dates to resume the return to play and also the start of next season, which I think will be a big factor in um, the Santa if this tournament uh, actually finishes because uh, it seems like they set up a date of how long they're willing to put up with this season. And uh, first key date is Monday, July 13th. This upcoming Monday is training camp opens. Uh, August 1st is the Stanley Cup qualifiers. And then the Stanley Cup is from September 20th to October 2nd, leaving the draft on October 6th. And then training camps for 2020-21 season on November 17th. And then the start of next regular season would be December 1st. So... It looks Sipping like pumpkin lattes and watching playoff hockey. That's what September's all be, about, baby. It's going to be a real weird. It's going to feel like we're watching the World Series kind of if they actually do play that time of year. That's like the only the only sports that matter at that time of year are the World Series in uh, October slash November. So I and uh, this all comes to after the 
the NHL and the NHLPA reached a uh, an agreement on extending the CBA as well. Uh, the deal adds four years to the current CBA and updates, updates the league's all-season critical dates calendar. Uh, for extension means the CBA would expire September 15th, 2026. It was supposed to expire on September 15th um, in 2022, but with the downtime, with the return to play and adding in a couple of things the players wanted, they were able to agree uh, to the extension, uh, a couple of things are no move, no trade clauses, no travel with the player who has agreed to lift one, even if they haven't kicked in. Um, it was previously the acquiring team had to agree to the, the no trade clause. Uh, players age 35 and over can sign multi-year deals that are flat or ascending, and there will be no cap if, cap it if they retire before the deal is up, aka stronger deal. Um, and then there are no changes to the signing bonus. All this still needs to get uh, ratified ratified by the Board of Governors uh, with the vote, which as of right now hasn't concluded. It's supposed to go through Friday morning, but sounds like a majority are supposed to agree to terms, and then the players will actually go out to um, to the training camps next week and then eventually the hub cities uh, in a while. But part of the reason why um, I'm trying to figure out where they are putting it on now. But part of Part of the reason why the players agreed to it was Olympic participation. Um, they are able to compete in the 2022 Olympics, and I believe 2026 are guaranteed as well. Uh, I mean, that was a big deal for the players. Like, they were not happy about not oh, being no, involved yeah. in the last Olympics. Yeah, and, uh, and I think that, yeah, that was a big argument with the league. I mean, that's, the league kind of set that up for themselves after Tavares got hurt in 2014. And then they used this as a bargaining chip when they needed it, and it came up right now. And, Doesn't uh, that just feel like misdirection? Like, well, maybe they won't ask actually ask for raises as long as we give them the Olympics back. Yeah. So look over here, guys, not here. Yeah, look here, look here. That's kind of what it. Yeah, that's that's what it feels like to me. Look uh, at the tree, boy, not the leash. Look at the tree. <laughs> and that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's so the CBA has been extended, which is honestly. Even if the, the league ends up not finishing uh, this season, that is a big deal for the future because that has always been a gigantic pain in the ass. With, I mean, the, the, they lost games in 2012, 2013 because of it. And they lost the whole season back in 2004, 2005 because of it. And even further back in 94, 95. So every time it's really come to a head, it's been that the league has lost out on games and it's kind of been. A sore point for the league. So now that they haven't done yeah. it for a while, it's it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you can argue they've lost a significant chunk of fans each time this has happened too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Each time. So hopefully, yeah. Whenever they decide to do it again, like in twenty thirty five, hopefully they don't lose too many people. But uh, we'll find out then. Uh, <laughs> Still remaining the- pessimistic for <laughs> a long time from now. <laughs> yeah, the league did. League did actually something kind of beneficial a little forward thinking i'm like yeah fuck them we'll see if they fuck up in 10 years they'll figure it out just think about the the old man fly probably will be doing then oh man gray haired and angry he's yelling about how they haven't won a cup still it's gonna be terrible (laughs) i was gonna say this episode yeah 1975 i'm coming up with a real grumpy oh wow working on like uh a cool like three hours of sleep up like all over the place i can't imagine a couple years just another 10 years added to this this show format (laughs) we're gonna be opening up we're gonna be opening up episodes just talking about what pills we're taking because we have those those pill (laughs) organizers 
Well, we're recording this on a Thursday, Craig, so I have to take Zoloft and... (laughs) (laughs) I would have slowly lost my mind by then, and the only players I remember are, like, the shitty players from the last couple years. I'm just going to talk about, like, Dale Weiss and Boyd Gordon for, like, years and years, and that's all I talk about while I slowly lose my mind. The Dutch Gretzky! No, but what's going to add years to our life, Stephen, is when the Flyers win this cup in the bubble. But first of all, they have to accept the rules of the bubble. Because uh, it's when you enter the, the bubble, bubble, it's life or death. <laughs> you accept the terms of the bubble. Uh, so, uh, do you and- dare enter the bubble? <laughs> Hashtag bubble season, baby. Uh, and p- let's get into some of these. The, these are the friendly, the friendlier version of the bubble. By the way, it's just like they're all in like bubble boy type bubbles and playing against <laughs> each other and just bouncing off each other. And it's not a very efficient game of hockey, but it's pretty funny to watch. <laughs> I hey, I've watched the crap out of that. Yeah, you know, that used to be like a thing at like uh, Spring Flings where they had those big, uh, like the big plastic bubbles that you would roll in and like knock down bowling pins. Yeah, I remember, like you're basically a human hamster. Yeah, I remember one year, uh, my school got like, they set up like a soccer field, or it was like supposed to be like human foosball, and you'd like people, everybody was in those big bubbles, and there was like 15 on the field, and you're just bumping into each other, like kicking a soccer ball around. It was pretty, it was pretty obnoxious, but I would do it again, and it sounds like something we should organize in 2020 because I think we all got time and energy to waste, so. But that's uh, let's go for it. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's, you know, that's social distancing right there. We're in <laughs> that's a contained bubble. We're just asking everyone in society to wear a bubble. That's all. I don't. It's and not I complicated, think, guys. Yeah, just, you can breathe fine in the bubble. Just wear the bubble. Yeah, we've all everybody's been cool with the mask, so let's just upgrade that to the whole body. And I'm, you know, go swimming like. But uh, so each team in the but let's go over the rules. These mainly come from Sean Leahy of. Uh, let's learn about the bubble. NBC, NBC Sports. Uh, teams can bring a maximum of 52 people, uh, including 31 players, to the bubble. Teams must me- send in this list of traveling personnel by Monday. Um, going over some of the testing, there will be daily COVID-19 tests for every team's traveling party. These will be done via nasal swab, and there will be temperature checks and sy- symptom screens. That's a whopping 1,248 daily tests across 24 teams, not including arena and hotel workers who will also require tests. And that kind of plays into the whole people actually need tests, getting tests. But I don't know. I don't know if that's an obnoxious. I mean, that feels like an obnoxious amount for one group of people. Um, I mean, the tests are at least more readily available than they were. Than a they were. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I would imagine the NHL is just going to hook up with like an independent lab or something as opposed to just uh, making yeah, the hospital true. Toronto do it. Like, yeah, I, 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 they would have to, I would imagine, because if they just make like a hospital do it on top of their workload already. It's going to be a terrible. Yeah, they can't do that. Yeah. So you're right. They have to have to like have to. hire like a quest or something or just, you know. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, anyone who shows COVID-19 symptoms, symptoms must self-isolate and consult with their team's physician. If that person tests positive, they cannot return to their team's facilities until after they test negative twice in a 24 hour period after symptoms have subsided. Uh, individual can also return to team facilities after a minimum of 10 days in self-isolation following the onset of symptoms if they have had no fever or respiratory symptoms for more than 72 days. And 
And some of the fines seem kind of hefty for if players actually leave the bubble. And then, again, there's something in here that kind of makes me laugh a little bit because, well, yeah. But uh, if a player leaves the bubble, it could result in a fine for the player or the team losing draft picks. Also, if a player refuses to be tested, he will be forbidden to play and could also be removed from the tournament. Uh, once inside the bubble, you must be tested. I just love the, once you're in here, you got to be tested. Uh, players will have Once their- you get into the bubble, there's no getting out without a test. <laughs> Uh, players will have their own rooms on designated floors and cannot enter the room of someone else. The bars and restaurants will be open as long as everyone so- follows social distancing, distancing guidelines. There will also be contactless room service and delivery slash pickup available from local restaurants. Um, and then this was the part I thought I kind of like a little bit. Uh, the NHL will also have trips inside and outside the bubble arranged for players with transportation provided uh, it was for the option of golfing. Because um, they're making golfing available to the players, and apparently they have locations inside the bubble and then places they can go outside the bubble. Which it's the only way they would agree is if they were able to golf. Oh yeah, no, no, the golfing part fine with, but the whole. I just I'm always amazed by just how much professional athletes love golfing. They <laughs> fucking love it. It is their life. Golf is life to professional athletes. Like they were like, that was the number one concession, right? Like it, they didn't care about meals. They didn't care about family. It was <laughs> golf. Are we, is golf on the table? Golf better be on the goddamn table. Yeah. And there, well, I, I wonder, like, I imagine if you're a top tier athlete, golf has, it's gotta be a ton of fun. If you're dominating sports on the global level of like a high speed, high speed sport, like hockey, or it's an extremely like physical and like painful sport like football or something. Well, I mean, golf's got to be amazing because you're probably athletic enough to like shoot around par or show off, and it's got it's the most casual sport out there. So I wish I was good at sports because I'd probably be playing golf right now. One of those people getting back out there, but, uh, but I just that's, like that. I mean, that's the yeah. one thing where you can socially distance. So that's yeah, know, no, that, that is true. We'll be, and like, I don't know. I've never gotten golf personally. I've never yeah. really understood it. So uh, professional athletes' obsession and love for golf has always kind of confounded me. <laughs> I get, yeah, no, it is kind of true. Um, I get for me right now with this, it's just the outside of the bubble part. Doesn't that kind of defeat the whole purpose? Like I, I, uh, and I know that you know. Then it becomes a question of like you can't keep these guys in the bubble for a couple of months, and then it's yeah, that's the whole idea of why this is kind of insane to begin with, because you know they're trying to eliminate any from, anything from getting into the bubble, but it sounds like there's a way they can go in and out still. Um, but that's you know maybe they just need to maybe they should just find like buy a city and just keep everyone out of that city and just and make yeah. the city. At this point, just dedicated yeah. to NHL hockey. I feel like at this point, you could probably buy Edmonton. You know, the Oilers haven't been good for long enough. So, call it Hockey Town, Ontario. And right it's just for hockey. That's all it is. And and nobody, and there will be a literal dome around it. The bubble. Yeah. It'll be a literal bubble. Yes. <laughs> and there will be guards posted. Only certain people can get in. And there's testing right there. And it's, you know, how could it go wrong? How could it possibly go wrong? Let's just throw the dome yeah, on top throw. and, yeah. I, you yeah. got the NHL Thunderdome, brother. <laughs> I will say, and again, the schedule that came out was uh, when the first round is actually happening, it'll be two games at, I believe, at noon, four, and eight. So you're going to get, it's going to be triple headers all day long, which 
we've been talking I about it. it's gonna be that. fucking awesome yeah it'll be awesome if it actually gets to that point and i think now i'm believing more that it's gonna get started up i don't think it's gonna end but i can still see i feel like we will get some kind of maybe not a week maybe a couple of days of just that hockey bliss and it'll be a nice little oasis maybe to hold us over like that's that's what i'm i'm i hope might happen i mean i hope i mean baseball supposed to get started up next week but... and i'm just already just on the edge of my seat about this starting back up and believe me this is not that an exciting in theory is baseball but <laughs> i mean just I, I'm curious to see how it's going to go, and it's the first thing to start back up in... Yeah. Well, it's... MLS, I saw MLS was on today, and I thought... Oh, uh, yeah, MLS. Yeah, and I... Yeah, well, and but I thought the thing with MLS, too, was they're doing no fans, obviously. Um, and then I thought a whole team just removed themselves from the tournament, which kind of adds to the whole integrity angle. Like, I... And I wonder if an NHL team at that point would actually do that if they had enough positive tests if they would just be like, well, this like we're not going to have the chance to actually win these games. Because, you know, the, we talk about playoff games, and if a player team has three or four players test positive for COVID, and two or three are pretty critical. Like, that's that's a huge build over coming to the tournament. Or in a I mean, how, how are you going to play an MLS season without the Reno, Reno Rattlesnake Association? <laughs> can you name – how many MLS teams can you name? Philadelphia Union. The Philadelphia Union. DC United. I think it's Chicago Fire. And then, like, the New England Revolution. And then I think I'm out. Is it like, is the New York team like the Red Bulls or oh, something? Oh, the Red the, Okay, so there's uh, the Red Bulls, and then there's like an FC New York or something. So they got to. Uh, there's a Columbus, I think it's the Columbus Crew. Ooh, there's Inter Miami. Okay, that's a new one. Does San Jose yeah. still have a team? Aren't they like the San Jose Barracudas? San Jose Blue Barracudas? <laughs> yeah, the the San Jose Blue Barracudas. Uh, it looks like San Jose still isn't he? They're grouped in, they have groups instead. This is, gang, if you're yeah, a soccer fan and you're listening to this, this is not our forte in oh, any way, shape, I, or form. I would like to say, I like soccer, but I like good soccer, so I don't watch them. Like, MLS is like, oh man the soccer snob over here <laughs> no, <laughs> no that's, that's like prob- I, I think that's the right opinion uh, let's yeah, see bad. there's like watching- montreal impact that's a good name that's pretty good impact the columbus crew yeah orlando city <laughs> dc united chicago fire which uh also has 16 franchises on NBC. I was going to say, that's part of the, the Thursday night slash Friday morning lineup on NBC. Yeah, you, you watch uh, you watch the Chicago Doctors, I was gonna the say Chicago that. Fire Department, the Chicago that's Fire in, Soccer Team, Chicago that, Police, that's in between, Chicago, Chicago Toll Collectors. Yeah, between Chicago Sanitation and uh, Chicago uh, Public Library Book Collection Day, uh, Company. That's, what, that's in between those two shows. It's the San Jose Earthquakes. But... Earthquakes. Oh, okay. Whatever. I mean, again. Yeah, and then they have the LA Galaxy. That's probably the biggest one that we forgot. We're getting into it. But... Real Salt Lake. Yeah. I believe I, it's I'm real. I'm very concerned about, well, you know, it's America. <laughs> oh, it's America. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's like... It's stopping corrections fake, for the fucking overlay. Fake Salt Lake. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's really Steve, so please respect the MLS. 
I was not expecting Salt Lake and Real to be associated with each other. It just no, it's... this is very conflicting right there. Yeah. Also, it's like again, the MLS really does suck though. This would be like the fucking the German ice hockey leagues over here, the DEL, and that was like the top league in America. I'd still be like, this hockey sucks. It's not good. <laughs> I feel like you could tell where I you're mean, walking. It's, yeah. it's no Liga. Like that much, yeah. That's true. No SHL. But uh, let's get. Okay, can we focus here? Can we get serious again? All right. Can we talk about this? As a serious My office podcast, is definitely gonna happen. yeah, you, you know that. Um, for serious people, Only we're all definitely here. Show. We're hearing the this right mindset. We're all well this rested. This is real hockey talk. <laughs> this is. We're all well rested. We're all focused. We definitely know what we're Let, about to let's say. Let's make this clear. Let's make this clear. I have no problem with Real. I have a problem with Real and Salt Lake City together. I I have a problem with Salt Lake City. I'll, Salt I'll Lake just put City, that out yes. there. Yeah, yeah, you can go to hell, Utah. Oh, I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. Craig so. hates sodium. Boom. Yeah, that's all. I'll leave it at that. Fuck out of here, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, But, you know, speaking of opting out of sodium for me, players are allowed to opt out of uh, this tournament if they want to. The whole thing Jesus. is... Yeah, I, I nailed that, yeah. Uh, they that's have rough. to... So <laughs> once the agreement is actually uh, made, like once uh, the Board of Governors passes the bill, because, again, I really don't think the players are going to be like, no, we're not doing this because the NHL... And whatever, uh, but they'll have three days from when that uh, that is finally finalized and agreed upon to let their teams know they're not going. So I don't believe any players have have said they've opted out yet. Um, but uh, we'll probably find that out this weekend if uh, if they are going to opt out. Uh, and also the canceling. Actually, breaking news: Andrew McDonald has emailed me oh, no. and told me that he's opting out. So Andrew McDonald has opted out. He's yeah, not that's... going to play. Gonna be a big loss for uh oh, man. Yeah, I guess us. I don't know, but that's not yeah. Andrew McDonald. Yeah, the world. Yeah, really. The hockey hockey lovers across the globe are gonna be upset that they're not gonna see that guy display down and block some shots. But we'll see if we can push through. Um and uh speaking of pushing the, there's no segue there. The the thing the thing I've been worried about this tournament is what is the number of COVID tests where they're eventually just like, all right, shut it down. And it sounds like, of course, they aren't going to give us an actual number on that. Uh, it's well, it's un- up to John Taffer. Yeah. <laughs> John Taffer of Bar Rescue is acting as an independent consultant here for the NHL. He sits in a big judge's chair at the top of the dome, and he decides when it is time to shut it down. And he just screams it out. He doesn't even need a megaphone or anything. John Taffer, shut it down! Exhausted right now. He's just wa- he's just traveling from state to state. Looking at the it's COVID cases man. rise, and he just rolls down his window in the car and just yells out at people, "Shut it down! Shut it down! Wear your mask." That's well. If I think people might wear their masks if John Taffer went around. Screaming, oh, if John Taffer was yelling at me, yeah. If John, if we want to be honest, yeah. If we want to get real for a second, if we want to get real for a second, if John Taffer actually cared about this country, went out there and did that, I, I don't think we'd have a corona. We probably won't have a coronavirus problem. That's you know one man's opinion. One man of about an hour and a half asleep, two hours last night, opinion, but it's an opinion and uh, it should be valued. You've got 24 teams, <laughs> at least, at least four of which have no business being here. You got one of these teams is going to get the first overall pick. It doesn't make any sense. Shut it down. <laughs> I, 
I don't your John Taffer voice gets me because I picture you as John Taffer. Like I like the picture of hybrid of like Steve Jacob and John Taffer, and it just works out. Like just I'm just wearing yelling. a shitty suit jacket that I bought at the thrift store. Just suit. yelling at bar employees, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Uh all right. So number of canceling of the tournament. It's unknown the specific number of positive tests that could cause a postponement or what would define an uncontrolled outbreak. COVID-19. According to the agreement, the unit has the ability to contest any ruling coming from Commissioner Gary Bettman by way of an expedited arbitration of a grievance uh, in front of an impartial arbiter, arbitrator. Jesus Christ. Um, so, again, I think the arbiter. arbiter. Um, and then uh, COVID totals. Um, so, here are the number of uh, this is through, this is from Monday. I got these numbers. The league says 23 of 396 players checked for COVID-19 at team facilities have tested positive since voluntary, voluntary workouts began on uh, June 8th, at 5% rate. In that same period of time, is aware of 12 additional positive test results. So 35 players in the league apparently uh, were recently uh, tested positive for it. So, and 23 were at the practice facilities. So again, I guess ideally you just, I, I still think they should get into the hub cities start doing the testing then and then put them in the bubbles when everybody is clear, but that's just going to take, I don't know if they even have time for that now. There's like, there, it's just too many moving parts. They're trying to fit into a small window where it just makes me feel like, uh, yeah, some players are going to get it. And then it's going to lead to eventually shutting down the whole thing. So I've opened up to seeing how it can actually get started now. I can somehow see that path with it in for a while, but I still, I don't see any way they're getting it done without some real, Unless something crazy happens, like they let a bunch of players play with it, and they didn't find out until after the season was done or something dumb. But yeah, so see that we uh, shall see. Yeah, that is the uh, that's the coronavirus updates. But uh, some other updates are Scott Lawton is a pretty popular guy amongst Flyers, and uh, as we saw with uh, the Flyers awards that were handed out this week, uh, Scott Lawton took home two of them. He took home the uh, Pelly Lindbergh Memorial Trophy, which honors the Flyers player who demonstrates a great improvement over the course of the season, as voted on by the Flyers, the teammates, um, and the Yannick Capri uh, Class Guy Award, which is chosen by the members of the Philadelphia chapter of the Defense Professional Hockey Writers Association. Uh, the award honors a player who displays exemplary character and comports himself with dignity and respect. Um, and uh, Travis Anheim won the Pelly Lindbergh Memorial Trophy back in. Uh, last season, and Andrew McDonald uh, infamously won the Yannick Capri Class Guy Award last year when he was not in the arena. Um, but Scott Lawton, I mean, Scott Lawton did have a hell of a season, and he would have been, if he was healthy and the season actually played out, he would have had a shot, I think, at about 20 goals. He had a career-high 13 goals in 49 games this season, uh, had 14 assists for 27 points, 49 games for Scott Lawton playing in a middle six role is pretty good. Um, 27 points is second most for the season. And again, he's had a couple 80 game and 70 game seasons. Um, and I, I thought he played really well this year. Uh, and there was a while there where he was, I mean, he was in the top six. He was on the second line with Hayes and connecting there for a while. And that line was pretty dominant. Um, they took over a couple games there before the pause and uh he deserves again scott Lone's career has been he's really worked his way up from being it looked like a first round bust potentially 
getting sent down to the AHL to kind of learn how to kill penalties and become an effective bottom six player. And now he's turned it around to uh, being recognized for how effective he is in the NHL. And uh, he had, yeah, had a hell of a season. And I really, I, I like him on the Flyers roster. We, we both like Scott Lawton. <laughs> We've pushed for him yeah, well, for a second last year for a while. You know, <laughs> that's a deep cut right there. For deep people cut, who yeah. are not aware of it. There's, uh, there's an old, I think it was on our previous podcast, iTunes, the old Fly Purpley one, uh, where somebody had said about the podcast in the review that they like Scott Lawton too much, want him to be the second line center, which was, I think it was based solely on the Flyers having no center depth at that time due to injuries and yeah. what, what have you. And me just saying, I mean, at this point, just throw Scott Lawton on the second. It was line. literally like we didn't spend more than three minutes on Scott Lawton as two seeing this guy. I was like, these fucking idiots thinking Scott these Lawton. Fucking is. idiots. <laughs> and that was the last time I read a review. But yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's Lawton went from when he had that like he had a monster year in junior, so people were expecting the wrong expectations, mind oh, yeah, you, yeah. but expecting him to like blow up off offensively. And he did not. And again, you should not have expected that based on his track record and basically who Scott Lawton is. Like, he's just mm. not that kind of player. Uh, he was drafted as a two-way center, and that's basically who Scott Lawton is. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that... But he, he did look like a bust regardless for a couple of years. And now he's really coming on. He's really cemented himself as a nice player in the bottom six. Like, just very good, like, two-way guy. And... I thought one of the interesting things that I saw in Scott Lawton recently was uh, Charlie O'Connor had uh, done a post on The Athletic showing uh, which players hit the most in the offensive zone and trying to see if that's an effective strategy for forechecking. And Scott Lawton was up there as one of the guys who hits the most on the flyers in the offensive zone. And, I mean, you noticed it, though. Like, he really filled that Wayne Simmons gap as far as, like, being a, a feisty player and a guy who is an aggressive force uh, on offense. Yeah. No, he is, and he's one of those guys that benefited from switching from Hacksaw slash Gordon systems of the last couple of years to uh, AV's more aggressive kind of forechecking one. Uh, and I think, yeah, him, a guy like Lindblom, uh, Pitlick, and probably some other guys like Farabee who did better in this system than they would have last year with uh, with Hacksaw and everybody. But he, uh, yeah, no, he's a really beneficial player. Um, got fun, and I hope uh, hopefully he carries the momentum over into the postseason whenever they start that up. But uh, we will we will find out. Um, some of the other award winners were Kevin Hayes won the Gene Hart Memorial Award for the flyer who demonstrates the most heart. Uh, Sean Couturier had won that for the last two seasons. Uh, and yeah, again, I think that's a good one yeah, there. yeah, it's a I good mean, one. I, I don't I... think there's really much choice, honestly. Like he had so many big. He was just a guy that was the author of a lot of big goals this season. Uh, that shorthanded goal against Washington, a couple overtime winners, uh, that shorthanded goal against Columbus. Like, it felt like he was the guy this season that whenever the team needed a big goal, he came through with it. Or he made a big play to kind of set the tone. And that was... I think it even goes beyond that, though, because he was also just such a heart and soul guy for this team. Like, yeah. he was the, one of the funniest flyers consistently. Oh, yeah, he was definitely, he was... yeah. Like and he was just also like you could see on the ice that he was he was like giving his all out there and just like you know he was I don't know he he just quickly became a fan favorite which is tough in this town and 
you know, I I can't argue with that in any way, shape, or form. He definitely is a a well deserving winner of the Gene Hart Award this year. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I you know about a year ago we we're probably talking about him signing with the Flyers, and I didn't expect him to have a good season. But uh, he's I, I think he did better than I expected him to do this this season. Hopefully he keeps. Hopefully we see that for the rest of the contract. Which you know the rest of the contract is we'll see how it plays out. But with the way he played this year and the way the team played this year. They push a couple of right buttons. Uh, I think we won't care about the end of that contract because it might result in something bigger here. But, um, but he's yeah, he was a huge part of why the team gelled so well this season and why they were able to get as many points as they could. Um, speaking of points, Travis Konechny won the Toyota Cup, which was the, the flyer that uh, with the most points for being selected as the star of the game. First, uh, just a word there. Toyota yeah, so <laughs> Carter Hart won it in 2018-19. Uh, and Drew has won six of the last uh, nine, so nice. I kind of I think it's kind of funny that they had Toyota Cup. Yeah, that's yeah, technically very nice, right there. Sigma Mouth. If I had a soundboard, I would have just done all the sounds at once for that. <laughs> been a nice. It would have been no wow. It would have been a while. You know, been a while. All, yeah, every one of them. Uh, last, it. last but not least, Ivan Provorov, very very Ashby Trophy for most outstanding defenseman. Also won in his rookie year for his second time winning the award in four seasons. League high seven power play goals uh, among defensemen this year and 16 power play points. That wasn't a league high, but it was. Uh, so his season totals this year, uh, he came into this year with only two power play goals and 12 power play points and then uh, put up seven power play goals this year and had 16 power play points this season. So he his point production on the power play went up. Again, Leafs led the team in average ice time, 24-51, which is the eighth highest among all NHLers. And he he rebounded from last season. Whatever he had last year, the lift, the yips or whatever, and like the mental mistakes, they were erased this year. And I thought he played like an absolute monster this year. Um, and a lot of the stuff that I felt like he just wasn't confident in last year, like skating, like skating confident with the puck in all directions or transitioning the puck out the zone and through all three zones uh and just pretty much handling the puck all together none of those issues really came for this year and him and niskanen were one of the best probably one of the better top pairs in the league so hopefully again that carries over into the postseason so i and i mean I, it really <laughs> felt like for the first time in a while the flyers had a legitimate top pairing yeah yeah and again that the flash retreat for niskanen was great and for ralph rebounded and right there that was a it I was, was a, a doubt it big time. Oh yeah, no. It, well, I mean, Niskanen rebounded too. I really, I I feel like uh, you don't really see that often from a player in their early thirties, where they have a steep decline of a season like that, and then just rebound the next year. So hopefully, and again, again, if they put it together next season too, the Flyers should be competitive next year as well. Uh, but for overall, yeah, for overall, man, I know there's some concern last year with. Uh, Summer's underlying numbers too, and everything with the contract, but that's all gone. Uh, I I'm happy they were able to keep him, and I'm happy that the rate they got him. And he's, I think he is the ideal type of defenseman you want in the NHL right now. Uh, yeah, mobility in all directions, skates very well, extremely quick, can close the gap defensively, can transition the puck, and can also produce and be effective in the offensive zone. I think one of his bigger weaknesses is the power play, ironically, because. Outside but he can of, still score goals, too. Yeah, that's the, that's, thing. Like, that's the thing. 
Yeah. So like, even though that is his biggest biggest weakness, if he's going to end up leading the league in goal scoring among defensemen, then okay. You know, he may not duplicate these numbers next year, but still, the hell if he's won. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Ivan Provorov a big step up from last year, and there was a lot of speculation that getting the contract settled really took a lot off his mind and allowed him to concentrate on hockey. Who knows if that was the case, but him and Niskanen were so great together. And welcome back, Ivan. Hopefully you play like this for the remainder of that contract and beyond, because it's just, it's nice having that legitimate number one defenseman, especially a homegrown one. No, it it really is. And I do, we still, I I think that's one thing that could be something we could say we actually want to see how this tournament is. And Provorov really hasn't been in the playoffs. I know he was there in 2018, but again, that 2018 series, the Flyers are dead man walking. I want to see what he actually does in a series where it's actually up for debate who's going to win that series. And even series, I want to see how Ivan Provorov does in the top pair. Because I feel like he's going to have a game where he plays like 30 minutes. I feel like in his first playoff run, he's going to have a game like that Blues game he had a couple years ago, where it was clear like he was running that game. Like, the Flyers were shorthanded. He was blocking shots left and right and was on the ice the entire night. And the Flyers edged out 2 not to win. I feel like Ivan Provorov is going to have one of those types of games in maybe this if, – if they do start it up this year and actually get it going this year or I the mean, next postseason. And then he'll get a lot – he'll get a lot more national recognition. If he doesn't already, I think he'll get, start getting more national love. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's so many guys I'm excited to see in a, a playoff format for the Flyers at this point. I mean, there's Provorov, uh, Carter Hart, Travis oh, yeah. Konechny. Yeah, yeah, Carter Hart's a good one, too. Uh, and even, like, yeah, I just want to see... Konechny was a big one that I want to see in 2018, too, and I feel like we never got... Again, he had a, a big moment in game, too, when he scored the goal, but it was never... He didn't really have his moment of being uh, an annoying pest, which I feel like he's going He's going to have those moments and have like four goals in the series and just become the bane of some team stands existence. Like he's going to be hated by some club. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, I'm, he yeah. already is, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure there's already Penguins fans that despise him. And yeah. <laughs> just for that just for that stadium series game last year. Yeah. But I mean, he is such a pain in the ass. And I really want to see that in a playoff series. See, true jerk yeah. store connecting out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel I'll be interested to see how a guy like Farabee holds up in the playoffs. I feel like his style of play would be one of those things where his game will be elevated in the postseason. Like he plays a very heavy style of play, and I feel like he would get some greasy goals in the postseason. He would be our Patrick Maroon this year. <laughs> yeah. But he will be. But I think he'd be like in the upcoming years, he'll be. I mean, an even bigger force, but I do want to see what rookie Farabee can do in the postseason. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And while Ivan Provorov has been a true success story so far and a true number one homegrown defenseman for the Flyers, unfortunately, Wyakalniuk will not have that opportunity. He's back, folks. Can't, you can't take the Segway belt away from the champ. So he's still he's still got it. He's on top of the throne. Uh, yeah, so like Steve just said, uh, according to Mark Lazarus of uh, The Athletic, this is the Blackhawks beat writer, um, the Flyers' 2017 seventh-round pick, White Kalyanuk, will be signing with the Blackhawks. Uh, nothing official yet. And, uh, I mean, this was – it kind of felt like it was coming. Like, we knew the him declaring uh, becoming a pro and not telling the Flyers about it was kind of a pretty big indication that he just wasn't going to sign with the team because why 
speed up that process for no reason to just sign with the team that you're ultimately going to sign with. And sure enough, uh, he will be going to an organization that they got a lot of defensemen, but I don't know if a lot are good. So he might be able to make some. I don't know if he'll play. It's not, he, I, he can't play in the, in the postseason, but I don't know if he'll be on the team next year in 2020, 2021. But the Blackhawks quietly have a fucking atrocious defense. So I like if somehow he made it on like as the third pair next year, I guess I wouldn't completely blow my mind, but, uh, but we will see. Uh, and again, it's kind of funny that he went to a franchise like Chicago where there are a lot of bodies. He must've thought that there were just too many players in front of him here in Philly. And again, we just talked about Ivan Provorov. He's not going anywhere. Realistically, Sanheim isn't going anywhere either. I don't think, I think Phil Myers is going to be here for a couple of years, even though I can see an argument about how, if he has an up and down season again next year, like that could open up the idea to a trade. Um, and like even ghost isn't ghost. There's a chance he's not going to be here for the rest of the contract, but he's locked in for a while. Like they, the Flyers have a bunch of players in the top four that are kind of locked in for a while. And then they have other guys like Mark Freeman, Igor Zamola, Wyatt Wiley, uh, Linus Hogberg, guys that are going to be on the Phantoms this year and to be in the NHL next year. Like they are just going to take over spots too. So I guess he just just thought the prospects here were probably more talented than the challenge he's going to face out in Chicago. Um, well, and I feel like Chicago's guess, also got yeah. they need as much cheap young talent to fill in in yeah. the bottom of their defense because you look at some of the big names they have at the top and the cap hits they have. Yeah, yeah, and again, I'm, we're tra- I'm or we're presenting this like. It was all Calinux decision. The Flyers may have not, not necessarily didn't want to sign him, but just felt like he may have not, like they are bigger fans of these other prospects. They want to see what happens with York, what happens with Batter, what happens with Mason Mills, Mason Millman, like guys like this. And they actually Fletcher's pick, so maybe they wanted to invest in ELC or one of the 50 contracts on one of those players rather than Calinux, who. Again, I, I think if he had stayed with the organization, it would have been a thing where he would have been like, I still, I don't know if he would have played in 2020-21, but then he would have worked, uh, I felt like would have worked up to the NHL and kind of been the four or a five. Like he wouldn't have played a major role, but he could have gotten some games in, but I don't know if it really been worth the, I guess the juggling act of making sure he's still with the franchise of like taking up a contract slot and also, I don't know. You know, I, I, I get I, I'm not I'm not too upset about him leaving. Like, it sucks that, that the Flyers me. lost the seventh round pick like that turned out to be pretty, pretty decent. But like, I, I don't know. I'm fine. I don't think it's going to be a big deal, especially yeah. because the Flyers do have defensive depth in the, the pipeline. I mean, we still have Cam York to look forward to in a couple of years, too. And and we already have a bunch of talented young guys already up. So. Yeah, I, I'm not as upset about this one as uh, I could be. And and certainly not if we had lost one of the guys like, you know, Sanheim or something, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I Not that yeah. that was ever in the cards because Sanheim was a first-round pick, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. There was a li- I had a little bit of fear during that uh, that time when Hacksaw was kind of benching him. And uh, the whole, yeah, so I was kind of, I was worried a little bit there that they might be dumbasses and try and see if they could trade Sanheim out because Hacksaw don't want to use them. But thank God. Thank God that they, they did not because Sanheim is going to be a monster too. Um, I don't know if he's ever – I feel like Sanheim being on the second pair for years to come is going to be pretty – like Provorov could 
carry a top pair, and I feel like Santa could carry a second pair. And then you just kind of fill in the pieces from there. So, uh, and that would be, I mean, I got, I got, do you have any segues for this well, one? Well, <laughs> you know, we were just talking about the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh my and God. Oh my God, he did it, folks. The Flyers, of course, unfortunately lost to the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2010 Stanley Cup final. But according to one writer, the 2010 Flyers team is one of the worst teams to make the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> yes, so uh, Sportsnet's Ryan Dixon uh, put together the you know the five worst teams to make the Stanley Cup final, and uh, like you just said, the the Flyers, the 2010 Flyers, have the honor of being one of those uh, five included. Uh, according to Dixon, "quote This is a bit of, bit of a stretch." So he starts off with that. I'll give him that. It's like this is a bit of a stretch. But we had to get a team from this century on here. Philly finished 41-35-6 in a season that saw Pierre Laviolette replace John Stevens behind the bench. Seven seed of Flyers actually had home ice advantage in the Eastern Conference Final because the only team worse than it, number eight seed Montreal, rode Yosef Alox, goaltending to upset wins over the Capitals and Penguins. And again, luckily for the Flyers, he did crap out at the right time. Um, but I do like that he put the disclaimer of, like, it was a bit of a stretch because you look at the other couple teams that you mentioned here, I'll, I'll run through them real quick. The 91 Minnesota North Stars, which was they lost to the Penguins in six games. Uh, they were a seventh seed that won 27, 39, and 14, and then made the cup. And also, they were the team that uh, were scored on with that Mary Lemieux goal, the one where he just kind of tore through everybody and then dunk on uh, dunk on the goalie at the end. That was the Minnesota North Stars. You 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 know what I'm talking about. Um, 1982 Vancouver Canucks. You, do you know what goal I'm talking? You know what goal I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I do actually. Look, uh, YouTube. Uh, well, when I'm running through these, uh, look up uh, like Mary Lemieux North Stars. You'll you'll know it. It's, um, but that was yeah, that was that, that was the North Stars. 1982 Vancouver Canucks, who were swept by the Islanders in the Cup, 30, 33, and 17 in the regular season, and then um, had the he said the post expansion St. Louis Blues, which. He's talking about three years, but you can honestly pick out any year you want back then because uh, when the league expanded to 12 teams, they did a thing where they put the original six of one division and then the new teams in another division. And the Blues came out of the – they won the new division each year, but then they got slaughtered by the old uh, the original six division. So they got swept in the 68 and 69 Cups by the Canadians, and they got swept in the 1970 Cup by the Bruins. Nice. So that's a, that's a fucking rough stretch of history right there. That's a – that's, I that's just watched eight. that goal. By the way, that was ridiculous. That is yeah. Um, so that was that happened to that. That <laughs> that is like fine wine, Mario Lemieux, right there. <laughs> yeah, those fucking those earlier uh, '90s Penguins teams were kind of loaded. Uh, and um, yeah, and those Blues, those Blues teams were they just got throttled, and they kind of set up the. Uh, yeah, the Blues were kind of the Bills of the uh, the '60s, and then the last team we put was the 1999 Buffalo Sabers, which of course we always talk about because of the the Brett Hall uh, foot in the crease, and also we've been talking a lot about Dominic Kostic these last couple. Uh, mentioned him a, a decent amount since uh, the start of quarantine. So uh, they lost to Dallas in six. They were the seven seed at 37, 20, and 17, and yeah, that was pretty much just a lot of Dominic Kostic, honestly. That was uh, pretty much. Just it was all th- those teams were all Hashik. Like yeah. they just, they had medium talent. I think medium talent at best, and Hashik was just such a freaking ridiculous freak of nature. Yeah, and like I think, 
I'm trying to think of, uh, he put a bunch of stats in the article, and actually, I'm going to pull it up real quick, since now I have functioning computers, Jason. Uh, he, because he had, what were the stats? It was like they were the bottom of the league in every, like, offensive stat. Okay. So, yeah, but the no-goal sabers, uh, the no-goal sabers were what is happening right now. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, oh, wow. Were... Craig, Craig had just the biggest brain fart. Just no, no, no. The, the fucking total brain fart. Okay. Buffalo finished ninth overall in the NHL in the 98-99 season, but it ranked 17th in goals per game and 21st in power play efficiency at 13.5%. Sabres had just one player top 60 points in the regular season, and that was 40-goal score. 40-goal man, Miroslav Satan. Uh, the playoffs, their leading scorers were... Satan! <laughs> leading scorers were, and he puts this article, I kid you not, defenseman Jason Woolley and Alexei Zhitnik. Hey, there you go. Uh, identical 4-11-15 lines in 21 contests. Um, so, and then all this is a preamble and saying that pretty much when you have late nineties, Dominic Kasha can go anything impossible. So again, that was kind of my mentality with those older teams was because it's all Dominic Kasha. And, um, I think honestly the flyers, like if you were to do this article and you're not a flyers fan, I get the choice to make the 2010 flyers that pick, but 2012 devils also sucked. Like not going back and looking at the numbers or anything, but they were a six seed. And I'm pretty sure all their player driving numbers were terrible. And it was Martin Brodeur kind of throwing his pads at random pucks. And, like, it felt like a lot of his big saves that year were just him. It, it felt like I was watching an old man, like, dive across the ice and just happen, happen to get his glove and legs on, like, shots. It didn't feel like the old Martin Brodeur. It just kind of felt like he was, like, falling in the saves by accident. And then they somehow made the fucking Stanley Cup. Uh, who else has been bad? Uh, I mean... Yeah, that might be the one, the main team. From the I mean, the, the Flyers, it, it is a legitimate argument just because they were a seventh seed and yeah. had to be an eighth seed to get into the Yeah, 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 final. exactly. A lot of things fell their way for sure, but yeah. and you can't I mean, take that away from me. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah we I can't mean, they still that. didn't win it, but whatever. You know. <laughs> that 2010 run mixed, was... Mixed emotions. Yeah, that 2010 run was just, it'll always be surreal and it's a shame they didn't win it, but just everything. 29th in the league, we've talked about this a bunch too, you know, 29th in the league to the shootout, so the comeback against Boston to the ship. There's just so much with that, that run was just incredible. It's just the, the shame, uh, the shame the way it ended. But, um, talked about the 1999, uh, here's my segue. So you talked about the 99 Buffalo Sabres and how that was a lot of Dominic Hasek and the man behind the bench for that team was one, uh, Lindy Ruff, who is now the new head coach the New Jersey Devils. Uh, oh, wow. Today, and Tom Fitzgerald, uh, who was the interim GM, had the interim tag removed, and he is now the official GM of the Devils, but uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk Lindy about Ruff. Ruff, of course, having been an NHL head coach since, I don't know, 1981 at this point, <laughs> just forever. You want to talk about a retread. This is like the king of the retreads. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I... To me, I, I was trying to, I think I said it last night when I was doing the stream with like Brad and Kyle, but like he, I get he took the Sabres to that 99 cup, but that was a lot of Hashik to me. And again, he had Hashik for a few years there, and that was the only time they went to the cup. And then he went to the Stars, where it was a more offensive minded team, and they didn't have any kind of success. But when you look at the two teams he had in the two, like years of the NHL, he had 
the Sabres with one of the best goalies ever in a team that was pretty, like, apparently loved playing the trap in trap era hockey. And then he moved to the Stars in current, like, the current playing style. And that playing style now is a lot more speed and offensive minded. He had the Stars with, you know, they're winning the offseason every single year, like the Devils did this year. And he could never get them to go anywhere in the postseason either. And I know. Both teams had huge flaws. Like their Sabres teams weren't loaded offensively, and the Stars teams had a lot of holes on defense. But again, like, like you would think that if he was an awesome coach, he'd figure out a way to work through one of those for a couple seasons. Like, uh, it wasn't. I don't know. Like, it just felt like he never really. The Sabres were always annoying to play, but again, I chalked it up to, you know, the style of play back then, and also Dominic Kosciuk was a freak of nature. Uh, wasn't. I don't know if it was really because of his systems and everything. Um, then, you know, I probably, think he's fine. Like he's yeah, just he's a fine. perfectly fine coach. It's, I just don't it's not one that's going to keep me up at night, like sweating here, you know, yeah. Oh no, the devil's finally have a coach after they finally had a roster and a defense and none of it worked out, but I, it's a fine hire. It's, it's really yeah, he so might be neutral. He might make us like eat our words here like this season, but I really don't like with the skill they have on the roster now. I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's going to come in and press all the buttons and they're going to be like in the Stanley Cup final next season. They'll they be better, but that's not really saying much. I mean, that's not really that high of a bar to clear. And also, I don't know if he... Yeah, like like you said, I'm just not... It's not going to keep me up at night, especially considering um, they were talking to Gallant. I think Gallant would have been... Uh, I would have been more scared of the Gallant hiring because I feel like he... I like Gallant and he's done more a lot with... Yeah, like... Yeah. And I still don't really understand either of his firings yeah i mean he just he really like he was just kind of the wrong guy at the wrong spot in both those hirings like he with the panthers there's that weird thing where they they hired a bunch of analytical people and then they kind of just like left them they hung them out dry after they fired them and they just fired them i guess because they didn't see eye to eye on the analytical stuff even though the panthers apparently like were fine and he was getting the most out of those teams and then with Vegas, he just was the the victim of poor goaltending. Like, the, the Golden Knights were fine, and they were playing well, but they just couldn't get a save. And it was one of those things that you knew eventually the Golden Knights were start, going to start getting saves again, or the breaks were eventually going to swing back in their way, and he just got fired at the bottom of it, and then they hired Peter DeBoer. And then, yeah, so he's kind of like – that's why, yeah, there's really nothing wrong with Gallant, and I think he could have – I think he would get more out of this team that a rough or apparently uh, Peter Laviolette, who, according to Freeman, uh, apparently Freeman said on the NHL Network that uh, the Devils had negotiations negotiations with Laviolette but couldn't strike a deal, uh, which led to them uh, looking uh, another direction and ultimately going with Ruff. But like Laviolette, I think I could have seen the Devils. I would have been hardball if I was Laviolette too. Uh, you know, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> who, wants to drink, who wants to go to Newark every day? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. But, and like uh, Laviolette would have been, I could see how the devils could have become a team where they would have been on the ice for a lot of goals. Like he could, I think he could have somehow gotten as much offense as he could have, he could have gotten out of that team, but I don't think they would have had any kind of defensive structure. Like it, it felt like it would have been like the 2011, 12 flyers uh, with the devils the next couple of seasons with nowhere near as much offensive talent up front. <laughs> so, but still I'm take I'll take rough over at Lobby right now and i'm saying that right now oh, we'll see how it shakes out yeah I, well because laviolette you had the factor of well he used to 
he was the Flyers coach for the last really significant playoff run. I don't want to see that because I like Laviolette and Gallant. You have oh, he's actually a good coach. I don't want to see that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ruff is perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, with Ruff leaving, uh, he was an assistant with the Rangers. With him leaving the Rangers bench, that means that Gord Murphy, uh, friend of the Flyers, friend of the show, will replace Ruff on the Rangers bench. He was with the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, him and Knobloch are both with the uh, the Wolfpack. So I, mean, I guess the Rangers just fucking love Flyers' old shitty assistant coaches. So, uh, But Gord Murphy is now on the Rangers bench. And again, he was somebody, uh, I, you know, there was, that was a little bit of the, uh, no, actually his firing wasn't, it was Joe Mullen was the one I didn't really, um, I really didn't quite understand, but you know, Gord Murphy's back on, uh, the Rangers back. So Gord's back. Gord's back, baby. Just a Gordon's fisherman. Uh, Pronger, I, moving on. Pronger is, uh, leaving the Panthers. <laughs> <didn't even> try. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Did you have one? No, I, 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 I could have fished something, but that's okay. okay. It, I mean, again, we, hey, we have you, time. Don't, you don't always need. No, it's fine. You yeah, don't always so, yeah. need the transit. I don't think this needs to say what. Right. Pronger's leaving the uh, Florida Panthers uh, organization. This is according to Sean Leahy. Uh, Panthers announced on Wednesday Chris Pronger is leaving his role as senior vice president of hockey operations and senior advisor, uh, and will be spending more time focusing on his family's company. Well-inspired travels, which uh, Steve, if you want to look them up, I was trying to figure out what exactly the company is. Uh, it just seems like it's to help make people's traveling experiences a lot easier, which I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just like a front, like on the Americans, where where Philip works for the the travel agency, but he's really Russian spy. Yep, maybe. So you're saying Pronger's like a secret Canadian spy? Yes, that's exactly I, what I'm yes. saying. <laughs> If anybody was a secret spy in the NHL, it'd be Chris Pronger. He uses his uh, his bravado and his, uh, yeah. his braggadocio to, to really throw people <laughs> off the scent. And then he's throwing bows at other spies in the night. Yeah, I can Yeah, I can definitely see that. Chris Pronger could definitely be the, like the star of an action movie coming up here. I mean, Chris so. Pronger looks more like kind of the muscle that comes in and tries to mess up the hero. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe that's in his future. Maybe we'll see. If, uh, well, you know, I mean, Boban was in John, John Wick 3, so if, if, if Boban can do it, then Chris Pronger certainly can. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, so uh, Pronger joined the Panthers in 2017 after he spent three years in the NHL's Department of Player Safety. And, uh, yeah, so he's moving on. We'll spend more time, it sounds like, with his family and uh, to work at Wildfire Travels, which uh, did, you, did you take a look at the website? Or were you able to find the website? I found it. I, I'm getting, I, I'm on there right now. It just looks like it's a travel agency to plan your trips. Yeah. So sure. quite, quite a difference than, <laughs> you know, knowing the inner workings of the NHL or in the department of player safety. Being a spot, no, yeah. I just went out of this and yeah, yeah. That, I, it's, it's really, it's, it's quite a move, but maybe you just thought, well, I can make more money. And anything besides the NHL. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, that's a Pronger update. And then uh, we do have another update. Uh, we talked about the... This legends. one on Pronger the cat, Tim Panaccio's cat. <laughs> oh, God, we should probably Pronger. Pronger, parenthesis cat, and parenthesis uh, cat tweets. Because uh, he probably, he had a bunch of Pronger cat tweets. Oh, yeah, Pronger, yeah. parenthesis cat. <laughs> 
But uh, we talked about the Legends of the Hidden Temple last week, and uh, I had a lot of confidence that the Purple Parrots fucking cleaned up. They're a great team. And uh, Joe uh, Inari, a friend of the show at Philly Sports Joe, uh, shared an article with us that uh, proved that, once again, I don't know what I'm talking about. And somebody went back and tracked all of the... Somebody did this in 2016 when the real world was still the real world and people could go outside and do things. Apparently somebody did this back in 2016, so... Okay, this would be the perfect time to do something yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> but apparently looking totaling all the event winners of like the opening events challenges um and the final uh like you know everything uh the sixth best team overall was the purple parrots for like the entire run of the legends of the Hidden temple so they just consistently apparently uh got dominated and uh just weren't good so i guess all the episodes i watched were just the, the nights at the purple uh Purple Parrot decided to show up. Um, and then fifth best was Red Jaguars. And then fourth was uh, Blue Barracudas. So, like, uh, huh. who was the other? We I mean, I, I was, this ranking was just solely based on how much I liked the name and the generation. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> oh, it, it was me. I went out. I went out on a limb and I said, the, the, I felt like the Purple Parrots always won. And I was severely wrong. That was not even close. Which uh, you idiot! You, know, you, you should just feel like a giant asshole you know, for having just, that thought. I can't just, believe. I know it's about accepting uh, responsibility yeah. and realizing when you've messed up. And uh, to any purple parrots out there listening, I'm sorry if I've offended you. And uh, I will, you know, it's uh, I'm sorry I overrated you. I'm sorry you actually were said, you know, the thing you're famous for. But I didn't want to. The Green Monkeys apparently were the best team, by the way, and that was the team that. Yeah, we were talking about it. Was, uh, who ended up being? Wasn't it the Green Monkeys? We said it was the best, uh, the get up, best setup, like Team Logan. Um, I think it was. It was them and the Blue maybe. Barracudas, I think. And then we put, uh, we put the Orange of on as last, but they were. This, uh, these are very team. scientific. Yeah, we're getting we're very scientific. Down, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. That's uh, your Legend of the Hidden Temple update because uh, that's, it's 2020. That's This is the thing we're talking about in 2020 right now. As we are waiting for the season to continue in fucking July. Because I don't know what's real anymore, dude. That's all. <laughs> I'll work on two hours of sleep. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. On anything. Whatever you're about to say, I just, I don't know. So, Greg's just, losing it. I'm, I'm losing Greg's my upset. mind. Yeah, I'm losing my marbles. <laughs> This is I mean, great. I'm just, I'm still cycling through shows right now. Like, I, I just started rewatching Seinfeld of all things. I put and on, like, I, this. I, I, I love me some Seinfeld and I'm enjoying it. But the, the Seinfeld theme, after you've heard it like 14 times in a row. Oh, God, you, too much face. You're ready to throw yourself out a window. It is. Yeah. I, I love it, but it's still like, after you're. <laughs> and then like. At the beginning of the third season, they add in somebody going like, Yeah, I was going to say, there's a like, certain point where they added like a chorus behind them, And I'm like, what? Who is singing on the Seinfeld Trout soundtrack? Right. <laughs> like, it's the beginning of where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Like, where, what is this? What's going on? I don't like this. This scares me. But yeah, I, I, it's driven me to madness. Like, you hear that bass line enough. You're just like, you're just ready. Like, you feel like you're programmed to assassinate the president or something <laughs> i uh i fucking i'm circled i started i put on letter county again today i watched that show twice already since the start of quarantine and then i, I watched through some other 
I did watch, I forget what the other show I watched on Netflix recently. It was about, God damn it. Uh, I think it's like called The Good Deal. I'm going to figure it out. The Good Place? No, The Good Place is on NBC. I know that one. It's a different, it's a new show on Netflix. It's only got one season. Ah. Well, I, I have no clue. So. I, I I already forget the name of it because I typed in. Um, it was pretty much like a comedian that's battling addiction and then sees somebody at the show and then it becomes like a whole love story thing. But I thought it was pretty funny. So, but again, I did watch it like a week ago. Uh, Sleep deprived and losing my mind. So you know, maybe it was the worst show ever. Who knows? But it is something to watch <laughs> if you guys are bored. So just throwing it out there. That's... I'll figure out the name of it. Craig's sleep deprived recommendations for you. They're not good. <laughs> hey, at least we didn't go and rank the the famous giant heads in television history. Oh which yeah, would have required me looking them up, but like, because I could only really think of the Legends of the Hidden Temple. Uh, I think it was Olmec or Zordon from the Power Rangers. So the only yeah. big giant heads that speak to people I could think of offhand. I, and I'm I sure there's a, plenty of other good ones. I put out. Uh, oh my god, who's the neighbor in Home Improvement? That was the other one I had. Oh, Wilson. Yeah, Wilson. Yeah, because you just see his eyes. Uh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's it. We're, this is this is the bottom of the barrel. That's yeah. this is it. We're gonna go around the league and and call it a day. Craig needs his sleep. He oh, yeah, is, I gotta, he's I looking gotta... rough. He got on to this podcast like, and oh, we Lord. we started doing a little bit of video. We didn't really do too much video before, but Craig like was just slowly setting everything up with the video <laughs> on, and he just looked like, dear God, I would love to do anything else right now I, you know i because i am once again definitely a real functioning adult i've got a real cool three like three i, I fell asleep at like one last night i think woke up at like 4 a.m and then i was up for a while uh started writing uh i'll put the plugs in now i wrote about why i hate the canadians put it on the website i was working on why i hate the uh the lightning i did that and worked on the eye for the show and then passed out at about like five again set an alarm for six and then woke up at like 6 45 was like fuck <laughs> then, like join the chat to let steve know i was here and then he watched me yeah slowly piece together the setup for the podcast which uh must have been real entertainment to watch me just kind of drag my i did kind of enjoy place. it I, yeah it, 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 was like... it, it, it was amusing yes <laughs> definitely amusing but i'm uh, here well craig come. we're gonna uh. we're gonna let you go around the league and call it a day I a nap on the podcast. yeah so uh Chicago Do you want Black me to go Pump. around the league? I can read it if you're going to take a nap. I'm uh, good. Actually, yeah, if you want if you want to switch it up, yeah. Uh, Why not? Yeah, there's only so, four. Yeah. Chicago four. announced, in the wake of the Washington football organi- organization, the real Washington football organization, uh, announcing that they were going to explore changing their name. I don't believe them for a second because Dan Snyder is a piece of shit. Uh, uh, yeah. Chicago announced that Chicago came out and like, we're not doing it. We're not, we're not changing the name. We're just not going to do it. Blackhawks wanted no part of this. They're just like, shut it down. We're, it's, it's not happening. Go home. Yeah. They, That's uh, all. They, yeah. They're not well, about it. They, because uh, they, they're saying it's honoring a, a particular uh, Native American, I believe, is what the stance is, which I don't know if that, I don't know. It, it feels like I, it sounds dubious to me. Yeah. It sounds like they should probably just. So my, my take on this is like, at least change the logo. Cause I feel like having a native American head 
as a logo in the year 2020 is just a bad, bad. Probably not the best look. Yeah. Yeah. Like them, the, the, them and the Braves are like two teams who are just kind of like, yeah, you should probably adjust a couple (laughs) things there. The Cleveland Indians, like every year, like oh my they, God, just, the Indians, like, yeah. they they inch slowly away towards their absurd, absurd logo. And every year they just inch a little more away from it. But just it's like a Band-Aid, guys. Just rip it off. Just rip yes. it off. You can't use that anymore. It's just yeah. a bad, bad idea. And the Braves are still doing the fucking tomahawk chop. Like it's oh, exactly. That's what I was thinking of. Like when, with all this. Thing, yeah. Like it's 1950s still. Yeah. Good God. No idea. But anyway, Chicago doesn't want to change it. They're they're done. They're just like, no, nah, d- d- go home. Don't bother. Nothing's happening here. So, um, all right, cool. Good job, guys. Great. Uh, <laughs> according to Michael Russo, Mike, Michael Russo, Michael Russo, Minnesota is willing to burn a year off Kirill Kaprizov's ELC to bring him over this season. 62 points, 33 goals, 29 assists in 57 games this season for C S K A Moscow or C S K A as I like to think of them. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, yeah, over in the KHL. Real Kaprizov, uh, he is not going to be skanking his way over just yet. <laughs> but he might. He might be. Got a, mile, a lot of mileage out of Ska these last couple episodes. So I feel like we've drunk yes, Ska. He got it <laughs> during quarantine. Part of us Judd drifting in the insanity. Yeah. Let's talk about Judd Brackett, who is named director of amateur scouting for minnesota his name is judd brackett that is a name judd feels like one of the most hockey names out there he probably hangs out with boone jenner a lot that's good my name is judd and finally former and craig is literally kicking his legs i'm kicking my feet up i'm about to pass out kicking his feet up jesus christ (laughs) i think he's gonna take a nap in his recliner or whatever i'm gonna take a nap yeah before i before I, I talk about what I wrote this week, yeah. <laughs> pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Former former NHLer Sven Adrigetto has parted ways with Avangard Omsk in the KHL. Sven had 83 points in 216 games between Montreal and Colorado. So, there you go. Uh, if you bought a Sven Adrigetto Avangard Omsk jersey, it's time to return it because he's no longer... With the team, so Steve, that's pretty. I like to. I like doing that. I like uh, you doing that around the league. I, I can think do it around the league. I'm certainly down for that. But... Yeah, that was. Uh, I did like how I only had four blurbs, and two of them were about the Minnesota Wild too. So for, uh, that's for. I love Ryan dunking on the Wild. There. That's that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm here for is to dunk on the Wild. <laughs> uh, <sighs> <sighs> Folks, that's it. That's all we got tonight. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Craig, you're currently working on some uh, some hate pieces right now for ri- rivalry weeks. Yeah, I got, Nation. got a, yeah, my, I got a, a heart filled with hate, as you guys can tell, after all these years of podcasting. So I'm going to get it out in some writing because uh, I hate the Canadians on the website today. And then uh, I was going to write about the Lightning and Leafs, which will both be, I'm going to submit them. Tonight and tomorrow morning, so they should be out Friday or Saturday. Um, and then uh, next week, I'm going to go back. Uh, I completed the whole best goal against every other franchise series last week, but never finished the best goal in franchise history. Uh, so I was going to write a little bit about Rick McLeish's goal in 1974 and have that out. Write about, um, and then I was going to look at 
the round robin opponents for each Flyers team and look at how they fared against them this year. Again, like I know, I know Kurt went through and did uh, some of that as well, but I guess I was going to try and go uh, try and put like gifts or a little bit of video, a little tape review on there. Now that I have, now that I have the technology, um, go back and put stuff like that in there or look at some uh, dig dive on like a uh, deep dive on advanced stats. And then uh, some through the uh, prospect reviews too. I'm going to start working on where I go back and I look at how the Flyers prospects produced all their points that season. And, um, you know, if it was on the cycle or the rush, power play, special team, like any of that stuff, I'll go back and analyze all that. And then also draft previews, which I'll pretty much do the same thing and look at um, players in the 2020 NHL draft. So with all that said, it's, that's all going to be next week. I'm probably going to go in the hibernation right now uh, and then write those two articles whenever <laughs> I wake up. So I am. Craig, yeah. you can go ahead into sleep mode now. It's fine. I don't. I will say this. I really don't like when I worked at, uh, at like my old job. Like this was my uh, this is the work, like the amount of sleep I usually worked off of. And I still don't know how I function. I don't know how I didn't just like die at that place. I was working off like 15 hours of sleep a week. It was terrible. So I, uh, I'm i happy terrible. I'm getting sleep now. Just terrible. Yeah, so just terrible. It's terrible. Uh, you, you can your watch is ended, Craig. You can get <laughs> you can reach me at Estebomb or Fly Purbly, but make it Fly Purbly for your hockey needs. Be sure to check out Fly Purbly under quarantine. We had a rare guest this week. Great to have Charlie yeah. O'Connor on and uh talk about uh Flyers gaffes in past twenty five years, Flyers mistakes, bad screw-ups by our Philadelphia Flyers. And yes, most of them did happen in the latter half of the franchise's <laughs> history. I think so, yeah. It's kind of, hey, we're kind of hard-pressed to go back and look for errors that the team made in the 70s when uh, they were winning cups and we weren't around to see any of it. So, yeah. 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 <sighs> but good episode. Good. Uh, be sure to check that out. Great to have Charlie on. And again, occasional guest. How about that? Oh, wow. Yeah, check that out. Yeah. <laughs> follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey like broad street hockey on facebook and be sure to subscribe rate blah 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 you get the gist folks thanks so much for listening and until next time in the words of the great gene Hart, good night and good hockey Wow, wow, wow. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve! But not Steve Hartnell and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah!